When life as you know it is flipped upside down, we struggle to make sense of it all. Why would a good God allow this to happen? Hi, I'm Sherry Pilkington, your host of Finding God in Our Pain. In early 2018, the deepest questions of my life erupted when I unexpectedly lost my husband of 32 years. Since then, I've searched the heart of God for what he has to say about pain and suffering. In this podcast, we'll discover how God enters into our pain, shepherds us through our darkest valley, and out into the green pastures once again. I'll bring you firsthand stories from women who will allow us into their authentic struggle, along with professional advice from experts, counselors, and others who can speak to what it looks like to navigate pain. Join me as we discover God's answers to the deepest cries of our shattered heart. Beverly Walters is my guest today, and she shared her life experience on why human trafficking would even seem like a realistic option. Most interesting to me is how she found the courage to walk away and seek a new identity. Beverly's trauma started early. She was sexually molested from age 6 to age 15. She was not protected in her home and was threatened if she spoke up. Her voice was not the only thing that she lost. Her innocence, security, worth, trust, value, truth, all taken from her at no fault of her own. Trusted people in her life did more than let her down. They gave her an identity that would set her up for the decisions she would make as she tried to provide for herself. So when she showed up for a job interview, and at one point they request she take her clothes off, I imagine it didn't seem out of place to be violated yet again. An orphaned heart with no voice, no worth, and the identity of a ghost. As I share that, I'm reminded why God tells us not to judge but to love. For only God knows the depths of a heart that has been continually abused, has no understanding of love, and is filled with vengeance. She shares some extremely personal information that makes her vulnerable, but her new identity in Christ has set the eyes of her heart on him. She's not thinking about herself. Her heart is to reach the one who is suffering in silence, the one who thinks there's no way to overcome this. There's no way out. God doesn't love me. I've done some horrible things. I've gone too far for anyone to love me. Not so, says Beverly. What Beverly left me with, and I hope you receive it too, is that she no longer identifies with her past. She never once dodged a question and answered each one with transparency, but she always tied God back into the answer for how she came to understand her true identity. God is the center of her life. She no longer identifies with her old life, but rather she has fully embraced who God says she is to him. She claims what Christ did on the cross for her. She has embraced God's great love for her. She has submitted herself to God's love. She has discovered that God's not mad with her, but rather he's madly in love with her. May we all grasp that today. Before we jump into my conversation with Beverly, I want to bring you up to speed on two things. You'll hear Beverly refer to the Gleaner. That is a newspaper in Jamaica. And the one other thing, uh, she shares her favorite Bible verse, which is Matthew 7, verse 7. But what she says is Matthew 7, verse 11. We didn't catch it at the time until later. Join me as Beverly shares her heart for those who are in the human traffic industry. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you so much for being a guest here on Finding God in Our Pain. And I'm excited to hear about your story and about who God is in the midst of some very dark times in life, some very dark challenges in life. How are you today? I am doing great. I'm really doing awesome. And I am happy to be on this platform with you today. Where are you talking to me from today? 
I am talking to you out of Jamaica, the beautiful land of Jamaica. I'll come down and visit. <laughs> okay. All it would right. be, um, be nice having you here. Oh, I would love that. Our topic today, part of your journey through life has been human trafficking. I don't know how that is with Kingston, Jamaica, but here in the United States, people are shocked that human trafficking is happening today. Do you know any statistics or any background with human trafficking? Well, yes, it is still happening today all over in Jamaica, wherever you go, it is everywhere. Because persons are using young ladies to make money. Human trafficking is not just a force. It is something that is fraud. Mm -hmm. So because young persons wanted to make money, they just open open up for it and don't know it is really hurting them. And it is after you really look back on your journey where you're coming from, then you can see it was really hurting you mm. because the experience was horrible. The experience was really dreadful, but I thank God that I was able to come out of that journey. And I love that he will redeem us. We've never gone too far. We've never done anything that's so bad and that it's bigger than God, but God is bigger than anything we can experience. If we'll give it to him, there is a restoration plan in place. So let's talk about life before human trafficking. How did that door even get open? What was life before? Life for me wasn't good at all. Because as I shared in our discovery call, there's a root of everything that you have been through in life. If you sow a good seed, you're going to get a good seed. If you sow a bad seed, you're going to get a bad seed. So during my childhood life, I would describe that seed as bad with all the trauma that I have been through. Because I can remember even as early as age six, I started to experience trauma in my life. Mm. I was like in a dark moment. I was like in a dark where I started to ex experience sexual abuse from age six. It happened like for, for nine years. And while going through that trauma in my life, I was so broken. I was at a place where I could not talk because I was threatened by my perpetrators. If I told anyone what I was going through, I would be killed. And I was like a little girl at the time. I was scared to talk about it because back in the days when persons say they're going to do your stuff, you will be quiet because you thought they would have do it for you. It is not like today when today children are very bold. Mm. I went to a place of emptiness. I even started to pee my bed in the night. I started to drop braids in school. I became aggressive to my peers and siblings because I was so broken. I didn't know how to open up. I didn't know how to talk about it. So that what planted that root in my life, the root of brokenness, the root of rejection, the root of unlove. No one didn't love me. No one didn't tell me that they love me. So I didn't know what love feel like. That is where I really, I really tap over into human trafficking because when this was opening, this was like a gateway of love for me. This was a gateway of opportunity for me. It was a gateway for someone to welcome me, even told me that they love me, which I didn't know that I was going to a, a pit of destruction. That's hard to hear. Um, that's heavy to think that even in your young years, it, six years old, you didn't even get a chance to understand what love was. You didn't have a chance at safety. So I believe that your voice was taken from you even at a young age. That's correct. I didn't experience my childhood life. Mm. 
that's the gateway as far as priming you. And you see it pretty prevalent in society today with how they're grooming children with music videos, lyrics, the stuff that they have access to. So even if they don't have a, an abuser, a perpetrator in the home, there's also a social media and television music industry that's also grooming our children to be sexually abused, to be sexual long before their age. How do you feel about that? What are you seeing going on? And social media and, and the internet, because I remember couple couple months ago, I saw on Facebook where they were saying that they need children for modeling. And it was the first thing that came to me. Mm. Why do they need children for modeling? And they were seeking from like age 8 to age 13. And when I reflect on what I've been through, I see it as human trafficking. Because if you have not been in that field, then you're not going to know. So me as someone that have been through something like that, I know it is a form of human trafficking. Because you have a lot of men that are on social media because children try to reach out to them and they try to say, I'm a nice person, you can meet up with me. And when they do meet up with these persons, send them out to have like sex with different men. This is the gateway that put like advertisement in the gleaner to say, I need that open-minded, attractive young ladies because that is how I was, I got caught in human trafficking. You answered an ad. They use different type of platform, invite like young people to, to the gateway of human trafficking. And then when you get in human trafficking, then you are exposed to prostitution. You're mm-hmm. exposed to the exact dancing. You're exposed to all different type of stuff out there. So once you go through that gate, there's a lot of destruction. This was interesting to you because it looked like a way for you to get out on your own and pay your bills. Is that true? That's correct. So this was an attractive offer when you read this article and you're like, this is a way for me to make money. But then you find out. It was not just about making money because there's a trick to it because they said they need an open-minded, attractive young lady. I was not thinking about the qualification. I was not thinking about any of that. I was only looking at my prettiness because I am beautiful. I got accepted in that job so easy mm-hmm. because I tried to get you with different jobs and I was turned down because of my qualification. I was accepted to this thing so easily because of my beauty, because human trafficking, they accept you because of your image. So mm-hmm. it have nothing to do with qualification because once you go out there, they train you, they try to mold you in the person that they want you to be. And so therefore, if you don't know what you want to, to be in life, then you will accept what they are telling you to do. And that is the road where I was going. We don't know where we are going, then we are going to fall up in destruction. But God was unkind to cart me before I go down that pit. Mm-hmm. He's good like that. So what is your relationship with God at this point? Because it sounds like your voice has been stripped away from you. Your value has been stripped away from you. You're looking to be independent because so far everybody's is not protecting you. You don't have a roof over your head that is reliable. So you end up in human trafficking through an ad because even if they start talking to you about your value, it's just based on your beauty, which has worked for you in the past, or at least it's one way that somebody has given you attention. And so it sounds good. But what's your relationship with God at this point? My relationship with God, I'm still learning. I'm still evolving because I desire to be at a better place because as children of God, we never 
be where God wants us to be. Because sometimes we sin, we sin when we don't even recognize that we sin. So I am at a place in my life where I am still evolving, where I am still growing because the word says, they that are hungry and thirst after him shall be filled. So every day I am filling up, I'm, I'm refreshing, I'm rejuvenating mm -hmm. because I really need to go to a higher level in God because in 2013, I made a vow with God and myself that I'm going to use my past as a message to empower, to inspire and impact other persons mm -hmm. that need to be propelled into their lives. So every day, God is just giving me a fresh word. Mm -hmm. Every day, God renewing my mind, renewing my spirit because I desire to go higher in him because there are so mm -hmm. many things that I've been through in life right. because it is only the mercy of God why mm -hmm. I am on this platform sharing my testimony. It really took a whole lot of courage to come mm. and hear and share my yeah. messed up life. So I remember in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, he reminded us that whatever that we have been through in life, it is not about us. He, he knows every single thing that we're going to go through on this earth, even before we go through it. Sometimes persons will try to throw your past and you. Mm. Sometimes persons will try to remind you of where you are coming from. Mm. But once God is in charge of your life, we cannot look at the past we cannot look at what people are saying about it because we have to push ourselves we have to continue climbing that ladder because it is not easy so that is where mm -hmm. I really see my, myself in God, it's like I just desire just to go higher, just to go one inch further mm -hmm. every day in my life because I know that there is more to my life and I believe my purpose on earth is to inspire, impact and yes. empower persons because God allowed me to go through these things because he see that I am strong, there are days I felt like giving up years at times I felt like thrown in the top but um, I reminded of my why so that is why mm -hmm. I'm still pushing and I'm still going because I know that there's so much more to do so yeah. I'm just pushing myself. Who is God to you when you answered this ad in the paper? Well when I answered the ad, the ad in the paper I was not thinking about God. God was with everyone that was against me. That is how I mm -hmm. felt because as a little girl, I am always praying. I believe in God because I used to go to Sunday school. I used to go to different camps to learn about my Bible, to learn about God. I went through so much things. So at one point, I really forget about who God was. I told myself that I was going to use every man in vengeance of what I've been through in life. So mm -hmm. when I entered the gateway of human trafficking, I just let myself go. I just told myself, I don't care what wants to happen. Mm -hmm. So it was in 2013, I really, really realized that God is real. Because I remember after so many years, I really go back to God because even when I was out there, it's like I felt uncomfortable because I know that that wasn't my lifestyle. I found myself reading the Bible and I was like saying to myself, why am I living in this life and I am still reading the Bible, and I am still thinking about God. If I'm going to my bed, I think about to say like a little prayer or something. That is when I realized that God was really there with me. I used to be in the nightclubs working. Is that God was in the midst because sometimes I go to the hotels with men to sleep with men I never met before. And I was saying like, it is only the mercy and it is the only mm -hmm. the grace of God why one of these men don't put a gun out at my head and right. blow, my, blow my skull out. I realized that God was really in the midst. That is when in 2013, I really made that vow 
Mm. And I say, God, since you brought me through so through so many things, all these years I've been in human trafficking. I'm traveling at different Caribbean countries, selling my body, taking drugs, doing so many degrading things. God, I realize that you are in the midst. And I say, God, if you're really real, just do something for me. I remember when I turned my life to God, I made a vow to God. I started struggling with masturbation. And I said, God, masturbation is sin. Help me to stop. And I really have to will myself to God. And I stopped. It is like four years now, I haven't touched myself. And I say, God, you are real. You are so real. Sometimes you really have to talk to God like how you talk to your friends. And God answered my prayer and I can say God is real because if, if it wasn't of his mercy, if it wasn't of his grace, I would not be here. When God sent his son to die on the cross, he mm-hmm. did not have to send his son to, to die on the cross. He could have called, sent like 10 coach and angels to rescue him, but he allowed it that mankind can see that he is God and he has to come on earth to do his purpose. So he allowed me to go through these things in life that his name can be exalted, that his name can can be glorified because persons have to go through their mess. Persons have to go through their storm that they can be able to come and tell somebody that God is good. So I can say God is really good because he has transformed my life from a messed up life into a brand new creature, into a brand new person. I love that. I can see why you are in ministry because you are passionate about what he's done in your life. And that really gets me excited. And I'm passionate to help others. I'm passionate because when I was out there, if I met someone like myself, I would not go down that pit. So I'm really passionate about helping others because there are so many persons out there still in human trafficking, still doing stuff with their life that need help. And they are listening for advice to come out. I believe that God allowed me to go through it, that I can be able to share this podcast because I know that someone is, is waiting to hear my advice and somebody is waiting to listen to this podcast. A lot of times when people go through things, they blame God. Did you blame God? Did you feel like he was mad at you? Before I really get to understand God, I was blaming God. And I used to blame my guardian because of what I've been through. Mm -hmm. I used to blame my perpetrators because of what they did to me. I didn't want to see men because I hate men so bad because of what I've been through. So when I realized I was struggling with unforgiveness, when I do realize I was was struggling with bitterness, I had to reach out to God and I said, God, God, please forgive me. When God forgive me, I was able to forgive my perpetrator. I was able to forgive my guardian. Can you pinpoint the shift when you went from bitterness into forgiveness, especially forgiving yourself, because there have been times in my life where I know God forgives me because he's God and he's capable of doing that, but I don't forgive myself. How would you forgive yourself? What I did to forgive myself is first, I have to let go of what I've been through, because if I continue to hold on to it, it's going to continue to pierce a hole into my heart. 
which I'm not going to be able to forgive myself. So first, I have to let go of what I've been through. And that is what keep me going. That is what keep me pushing. I was able to tell myself that I did not choose this on my own. I did not choose to go through this. God, God chose me to go through this because he see that I am strong. He want to use me as his mouthpiece. He mm. want to use me as his daughter to go and tell the world that he is God. And there's nothing too big for him to do and that there is nothing is too small for him to do so i was able to forgive myself so it was shifting the focus off yourself and putting it onto god and letting him carry the burden of your guilt or shame was there a particular prayer that you were asking the lord when you're looking to understand his forgiveness to receive healing is there any particular prayer that you were praying anything you were pressing him for as a child going through those steps and like a teenager, I didn't know how to pray. But one thing I study, the Our Father prayer. Mm-hmm. That used to be my prayer. Whenever time I'm going through something sad, whenever time I, I, I felt discouraged, that would be my prayer. My favorite Psalms would be Psalms 51. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that really keep me pushing and keep me going when I was going through my journey. Powerful words, powerful prayer. That was the way the Lord taught us to pray. Prayer changes everything. Prayer is powerful. You remind me of the weight and the power and the yeah. authority that prayer has. A praying woman is a powerful woman. I know you're in a place of healing now, but looking back, did you have any regrets about what you did or do you give it all over to the learning process? Well, I would say I am completely healed of what I've been through. But when I look back on my life, I have regrets of how, of how I, I dealt with things. When I used to be out there, when I didn't really realize who was God is, when I didn't recognize that the, the goodness of God, I really used to question it. But right now, I'm, I am at a place, I just want to say, God continue using me. Continue to allow me to go deeper. Continue to allow me to go higher in you. Because I know that there is room for improvement. I know that there is room for growth. And I just want you to continue to just have your way in my life. Just, just continue to... To, to direct me because I know that God is about to do something big in my life. I know that he's about to do something big in my ministry. I am at a level in my life where I just want God to just continue to use me because all I'm mm-hmm. hearing in my spirit, humble, humble yourself, Beverly, humble yourself because Beverly, I'm taking you great places. I'm taking you to places where I never take anyone before. Just humble yourself. What does it look like to humble yourself before the Lord? What sort of posture is that? Is it a heart posture, a physical posture, both? It would be a hard posture because humbleness is something that persons struggle with today. The enemy know how to test you. You know how to come and throw things at you. So what he do most time is, to, is try to use your weakness. And then he can work on your weakness because it is very hard to be humble in, in today's society, in today's mm. world. To God, I say, God, I want you to have your way in my life. It's like one of my everyday prayer. I pray for humility. I pray for love. I pray for patience. I pray for long suffering. When I can pray the prayer and pray for the fruits of the spirit, then it's just connecting you with his love. I was going to say, it's the block, I think, a lot of times between God really working in our life. And I think it's also a portion of going from having faith in God to loving God and letting God love on you is to humble yourself. I heard Eric Gilmore, and he's an American who has a ministry. I love his ministry because he has a genuine 
passionate love for the Lord. Eric says the bride must come out of herself in order to be with her groom, in order to understand who he is to her. And so it's forgetting about ourselves, humbling ourselves and putting ourselves at his feet. Like you're saying, do with me what you will, Lord, I'm yours. So I think humility is not an attractive word today, yet it is key for having God work powerfully through your life. The other word I have found resistance to is the word submission. Someone said to me, that's a weak word. You're weak. What is your particular take on the word submission? Submission is something that I used to struggle with because sometimes I felt that I, I need to have things my own way. For example, I have my pastor, which is my mentor. Sometimes she say I must do things her way. And sometimes I felt like I, I don't supposed to do things her way, but you have to be able to submit to your parents. You have to be able to submit to your leader before you can submit to God. Because many of us saying that I am so I, I am submit to God, but I am not going to submit to my husband. I am not going to be able to submit to, to my wife, but we have to be able to submit to the earthly person. Then we are able to be able to submit to God because submitting to God, it is very powerful. And I think in the, context of who God is, submission, humility, these words that this world might find weak are extremely powerful. They go a long way. You get to see and experience more of the heart of God when we've positioned ourselves and submission, humble humility. They are completely different than how the world would experience those same things. I think that's the reason why they're rejected so quickly. If you do not see it through the lens of God's heart for us, then it is meaningless and it does appear weak. But through God's heart, it makes it extremely powerful in many different ways. What would you want to tell someone to avoid being trapped in human trafficking? Is there any advice you can give to someone? Human trafficking come in different platforms. Human trafficking can come in the gleaner. They can say that they need bartenders. They need attractive, open-minded young ladies. Is that saying I will pay like 50000 I will pay like 100000 It is a form of human trafficking because it is only human trafficking going to put the amount of money that they, they would pay to you. So therefore, when you get caught by this, you're only thinking about the money. You're not really thinking about what you're going to do, but you don't know what you're going to do until you get in it. Because when you heard about the money that you're going to get, and then you're thinking about the bills, you're thinking about the mortgage, you're thinking about the light. Bill. So you have to be, you have to be able to be aware of these platforms because they look so pretty. They are so enticing. They are so encouraging. But when you get in it, it is very hard to come out because I've been in it for 11 years you have to be aware of all the ads that you see like on the internet in the newspapers that on social media and all of those things you have to be aware because think about why would i get into this so easy is that they don't require for any type of education background once you're beautiful once you're attractive once you have like a, a, a certain physique body maybe you have that like big boobs or something if, if, if it is your first time working going on a job interview try to tell somebody about it because when I when I went on my first interview I was told to take off my clothes and I was like saying why am I going to take off my clothes I just come for a job interview I did not I did not tell anyone about the interview 
if I had said it to somebody, they would say, no, I don't think it is something you should take. So whenever time you are going out there for an interview, tell somebody about the interview that you're going on. Well, after the interview, share your experience with somebody about the interview. Then these things can prevent you from, from entering the gate of human trafficking. Because I can tell you, once you get into that thing, it is very hard to come out. At what point does God become stronger than the desire to stay in? Because you're looking at the type of money you were able to make. And now if you come out, the reality is you've got to find a job that probably doesn't pay that kind of money. What was the shift for you to say, I'm done, I'm out? At one point I came out and I went back. I came out and I went back. And I remember I started going back to church and the pastor of my church, she had a crusade for three weeks. And I remember on the last night of the meeting, she asked each person to write their prayer request. And the prayer request, I wrote that I need a job. And I, was, and I specified what kind of job that I wanted. I said I wanted a job to work into a doctor's office. After making those prayer requests, it's like two persons reached out to me to, to recommend me for a job. The first job, it was to work as a cashier into a bakery. And the second job was for a doctor's office. <laughs> I went and both interview, And I know I got through with both jobs. And I said to, said to God, I really wanted the job to work in the doctor's office because that is what I asked you for. So when I went on the both interview, I was called to work in the bakery first. I went there and I said, God, how am I going to tell them that? I don't want to take the job, but I came up with a lie and I right. told him that I have like this in the family. And I said, okay, young lady, well, like how you present yourself in the interview. Here's my business card. You can call us. And then two weeks after I was saying, how come they don't call me for the job to work? I remember at that point, I started going through a place of a, a place where I dropped my faith, where I stopped believing in God. I need some money. I need to do something with my life where I plan to go back in human trafficking. I had my backpack to go to Mantigobi to go back in that environment. It was the same evening. Someone reached out to me and said, come to start training the next day, to work in the doctor's office. Who could it be but God? And today I'm still working in that doctor's office. And I still have my job where I do life coaching and I do my speaking engagements. God coming in right at the in time moment. You say that you're a strong person. That's why God chose you to experience what you've experienced because he knew that you would be strong enough to then glorify him even in the midst of pain and suffering. But what about other people who are strong people but do not choose to receive his redemption is like we have to exercise our faith in god faith faith is an action word you cannot say you have faith for, for example i say i need a job i'm gonna send out my resume i'm gonna start searching for the job so you have to exercise your faith in god we are all strong. We know that we are children of God. We have to be able to exercise our faith in God. And that is what I did. Engage with him, not just sit by the sidelines. You're not going to get anything done sitting on the sidelines, waiting for something to happen when it is happening, but you just haven't joined in. Did you ever have an experience where you thought your life was over? What was the darkest moment in that particular life experience? The darkest part in my life when I was going through sexual abuse and no one 
believe me and when I ran away from home. My parents, my guardians, no one tried to reach out to me. I didn't have a home. Living in the massage parlor, living in the clubs, there used to be my home. I felt like I didn't have any family. I felt like I didn't have anyone that really loves me and concerned about me because I used to spend one month, two months, three months before I really go around my family. And when I do go around my family, I told them that I'm doing like some, some living jobs. I used to, every night I went to my bed crying because I was really in a dark place where I felt like I was nobody. One point I tried to commit a suicide. I mm -hmm. remember I went down to a steep hill where you have like a river because I said once I go down the steep hill and I go out in the sea, no one would have found my body or no one recognized where I was or anything about me. And I said, This is I'm gonna end my life. I stepped out in the sea and I remember it is the biggest and brightest lightning I ever seen. As I was about to step out in the water, it's as if the sky opened wide. I could felt the power of God. I could have seen God that night. That was my darkest, my darkest, my darkest place in my life when uh -huh. everybody turned their backs on me, when no one was thinking about me. Mm -hmm. I had a phone and I have to wonder if persons have my phone number because no one was there to call me. No one was there to encourage me. No one was there to say, Beverly, we are family. So I was really in a dark place of my life. Mm. But God stretched on his hand and held me and said, my daughter, I have work for you. So he pierced that lie as far as finding the easiest way out, that you didn't have anything left and you didn't have any family. But he shows up and pierces that with his light, with his love, with his presence. To remind me that he's God. Did you go into the water and he pulled you out of the water? I was walking out in the water. The water was at my hip, so my pants was wet. So he said, not today, Satan. My daughter's coming with me. Amen. Whenever trauma happens in people's life, there's an identity crisis. How did you regain your identity in Christ? How did you even define your identity through Christ? It's not the identity you had been given through relationship how do you go from what i would term as no identity but you can correct me on that into a strong solid identity i was walking by self i was relying on self i was just thinking about myself in the flesh my mother may give me my name my father may give me his last name but I belong to God. I'm a true reflection of God because once I stop relying myself, then I start reflecting on God. I started to reflect Christ on the cross. I started to reflect what he had done for me. Then I was able to identify myself of who I am in God. Mm. That is how I was able to identify my true identity in Christ. Then I realized that God is the centerpiece of my life. And if God is the centerpiece of my life, then I have to be a true reflection of God. I have to start reflect and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm a daughter of the King. Stop relying on self and start relying on God. Start reflect God on the cross. To believe that he died for us. Mm. So it sounds like your heart of gratitude to who God is, and because it is his loving kindness that draws us to him. And so it sounds like your gratitude for all that he had done in this shift 
and the prayers that he'd answered along the way and his presence that you had seen uh, and maybe in reflection, you had realized that he was in the midst of things. It sounds like that has given you a heart posture to, to draw closer to him. I feel like God's experiential in the sense that we get to experience him in the midst of things. Would that be your situation as well? Did you experience the goodness of God or is it something that you relied on because of the word you believed it, you know, God spoke it and you believed it. Well, I experienced the good of God and I rely on his word Mm. Because what I've been through in, in life, God allowed me to go through it. So I experienced those things. And then I read the word and I start to apply the word to my life. And I see where I was able to grow. I do both. That is what really encourages me. You make a, a good point there to say that you apply it to your life. You put it into action. That's key. Putting it into action. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like or feels like? Start reading the word of God, start to apply it into your life. Then you can see growth. You can see evidence. Then he will manifest. Because one of my favorite, one of my favorite scripture, Matthew 7, verse 11, they ask and it shall be, it, it shall be given, not and it shall be open. Seek and you shall find. So that is one of my favorite verses. When you can go back to the word of God, when you are praying about God's word, is like you're applying those words to your life and eventually manifesting in through you. So it is very important for you to apply the word of God to your life that you can be able to grow and be a stronger Christian in him. I think it's in, found too in relationship. Because like you're saying, sometimes you read the word, you're just not sure what it means, but it's pressing into him and asking questions and listening, looking. Because sometimes when I read the word and I'm like, Lord, I do not understand what that means. Just thinking about it, pondering it for the next couple of days and talking to him every now and then. And then you get this revelation or maybe a real life situation that you're like, oh, that's what you meant by that. Sometimes you can read a Bible and you read it over because like when you can read it over, it's like you get a better understanding because going to high school, whenever time we get like a passage to read, whenever time we read it over, we get to understand it more. So each time we read over the, the word, he ministers to us and then he speaks to us that we can understand the word. I have read scriptures or maybe a chapter over and over for like a week and read the same one over and over to get this deeper revelation. Also, I love how the scriptures, when you, let's say you have a favorite scripture or a, what we call a life verse here in the United States, and you can apply it to all the different phases of your life because God is multifaceted. His word is layered and can be applied to the various different phases of life, different people, That's one of the beautiful things about God's word as well. What would you say was the biggest challenge you had to overcome? It sounds like you've submitted yourself. You're very passionate for the Lord. You humble yourself. Those are key. But what was your biggest hurdle, the biggest problem you had coming into the full knowledge of who God is? When I made that vow with God in 2013, I shared that I I have struggled submitting and I have struggled being humble and I realized that there was a big challenge for me to really submit to God was masturbation 
because I get used to so masturbation was a big, 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 big barrier for me. I struggled with that for years. And it is when I was able to open up to somebody to told a mentor what I was going through, what I was experiencing, then I was able to overcome. Because most persons, whenever time they get out of that world having sex, it's gonna be like a big issue. Since I started talking about it, I was able to open up, I was able to overcome it. Is there something that you did specifically was it that you had a mentor that you were you began to bring it out of the dark if you will and into the light for discussion and for help once you're struggling with masturbation not saying that you cannot overcome it on your own but what worked for me i was able to share it with somebody after bringing out of the dark so once you're able to reach out to somebody to, to to tell them what you're experiencing then they can be able to mentor you it's very good for you to share it with somebody then that person can get you help in different areas and then that that person can be able to pray for you and encourage you through it. How did you find somebody to trust with that topic? Because that's a guarded area of your life. How did you find someone to trust to divulge that kind of information? When I found this mentor, it didn't happen same time. It, it happened like about a year or more after finding that person. I realized it was someone that I can really talk to. I felt comfortable at that point where I really wanted to grow. I really realized that this was a barrier. And every night I go to my bed and like, before I think about praying, I think about masturbating. And whenever time I masturbate, it's like it just put me to sleep. The next day I woke up and I felt so bad. I felt so embarrassed about myself. And I said, this need to stop. So that is what really pushed me and, and, and encouraged me to say it to my mentor. It's important to find someone you trust. And it sounds like you would already had a year of relationship with her as far as in that mentor capacity. So you knew that she was trustworthy with yes. that sort of intimate information. It's important to definitely find someone to trust with that kind of thing. Otherwise they can use that against you in some way, shape or form. When it comes to human trafficking and you want to heal other hearts, is there anything that I have not asked or talked about that you want to share? Before the whole human trafficking thing, I used to go to church, but I stopped going to church. A friend of mine from church died. I went to the homegoing service at the church. And then after we went to the to the house, we had like a Passover. When I realized that my bishop was there, I started to try to hide from her because I know that she has eagle eyes. For person that don't understand eagle eyes is that she can discern things in the spirit. So when I was there hiding from her, she was searching for me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go into her room to hide. I felt someone grab my hand. Mm -hmm. And when the person grabbed my hand, I turned around and I looked and it was her. It was. And she pulled me into an empty room and she said to me, Bev, Bev, what is it that you're doing with your life? And I am saying to myself, she don't know what I am doing. She could not, she could never know what I am doing. But at that point, I remember that she had eagle eyes so she can see exactly what I was doing. Mm. Anyway, after leaving that home that day, I went up back in the street and I started to live in my life in human trafficking. And when I, when I used to be out there, I, I used to message her like every day, like for years. I said, I miss you. She would only message me two words, come home. For mm -hmm. years, I did that. I said, I miss you. She only messaged me and say, come home. I decided that I was going back home. I went to church today and she hugged me. And the hug that she gave me, I felt like 
a burden lift off my head. I felt light. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could jump. I felt like I could shout. I felt like I could scream because I felt like someone that really hugged me as if they cared about me. Right. And I remember before I leave before I leave church, I used to be a part of the dance ministry. So when I came back to church, I came back to church with a nose ring in my nose, having like tongue rings, rings all over my body. I was dressed in skimpy clothing. And when she embraced me and she welcomed me back to church, she said to me, I need you to revive my dance ministry. So when I started reviving the dance ministry, I used to have the dance with them in order for them to catch on with the dance. Mm -hmm. When I used to minister in song with them, I felt so guilty, I felt so bad because when I just came back to church, I wasn't grounded as how I am grounded. Now we still like one foot in the church and one foot in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. That means that you're not fully in church. It's like God really ministered to me when I was doing those dance and that is what helped me to break up my folly ground. And then being a part of the dance ministry, my bishop appointed me to be one of her armor bearers in church. And you know what that did to me is that that ministers to me. And that what really helped me to be the person that I am today. It, it grounded me because of my, the bishop that I have, the type of mentorship, the type of leadership that I am. And the name of my bishop is Bishop Letitia E. McPherson. That is beautiful because you're talking about come home amen come home that's powerful words come home and that come ministers home. to me that ministers to me i am overwhelmed at your story in the sense that even in our sin or maybe it's not a chosen sin because uh, i think at a certain point you have to understand what you're doing is in opposition to god's heart but he's there in the midst he meets you along the way he never turns his back he continually draws you he's continually present he uses your bishop yeah let me first so he uses the bishop to tell you to come home. So a continual reaching for you, a continual pursuit of your heart, no matter what. And the beauty, I think, is that you received it. You welcomed that. You turned your face toward him and received what he had for you. That is beautiful. And I think that's what he wants for all of us, no yeah. matter where we find ourselves, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. He's not afraid to walk into the middle of it and show himself faithful. And one of my favorite tagline is, it is not how you start your life, but it is rather how you finish. Mm. You can start your life messed up, but God is looking at the finished product. He's always rewriting, transforming, redefining, restoring. That's his heart for us. In the darkest moment of your experiences so far to date, is there any one thing that you can remember, pinpoint, something beautiful that God said in the dark? I remembered the Cinderella story. She was very beautiful. Even when her sisters used to tease her, they used to laugh, they used to mock her. She humbled herself. They told her to clean the floor, to do the laundry, to cook. She did not complain. She did not grumble. And that is what really encourages me. And it, at the end of the story, she found her prince. And that opened the doorway to finding her prince. Yes. So the Cinderella story, because I remember at one point in my life, when I reached out to my friend, she asked to come and stay with her. When I went and stayed with her, I have to watch for the family. 
have to cook for the family. I was saying, no, this is too much. One person cannot go through so many things. That part of my life, that part of my story, I call it your Cinderella story. You have had the experience of the cooking and the cleaning and the scrubbing. Yes, yes I running, remember. Mm-hmm. And then running away from that experience, but yet that has value later when God speaks to your heart about Cinderella. I think it would all benefit us to have a servant's heart for the Lord and in turn for his people or people in general, you know, just that servant's heart is powerful. So Cinderella, you're home. Yes. And I'm still waiting on the prince. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, God can be your prince. Yes. He's good at that. I'm not rushing it. I believe so. And you're still young and beautiful. So you've got time. Yes, this year I was celebrating my 40th birthday. <laughs> did you just say 40? Yes. You do not look 40. Every day I'm told that and I believe that. God has been faithful to you despite the cruelty of this world. And I love that about him. And it is a beautiful honor, a treasure from my heart to have met you and to be able to have this conversation of redemption. Thank you. Thanks for Crystal D for the referral. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to finding God in our pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website a life of thrive for more information and the various ways you can connect with us please visit the website alifeofthrive.com i look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down their authentic struggle to make sense of it and what recovery and healing looks like till then sweet woman remember you are not alone and that god speaks the most beautiful things in the dark <laughs>